Spanning the nerd world and feeding your fandom. Crash landed. From comics to video games. From the cinematic universe to television. Connecting you to the biggest stars in the industry. Something out there had discovered us. It's time for the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Here's your host, James Witham. Hope your controller's fully charged up. It's episode 269 of the Down and Nerdy Podcast. I'm James Witham. Ah, yes, fresh off of E3. The excitement is still in the air. And you know, this is the time of year that I give my recap of everything that happened. Well, not everything. We're going to go through, you know, the press conferences and some games that stood out to me. The only thing I'm not going to do this year that I did last year is EA Play. Just really not going to talk. I mean, a lot of sports games. And to me, these games are what they are. At this point, right, you're either going to love them for what they are or you're going to hate them for what they aren't. So I'm just I'm I'm not just impressed with all the stuff that that I saw in EA play. Yeah, I know we've got Star Wars, you know, Jedi Fallen Order. And but I mean, the cutscenes look. Yeah, they look cool. The gameplay to me just looks very similar to Battlefront. And it's it doesn't seem all that different to me. So I don't I don't see why I spend 10 minutes on something that's. Pretty darn similar to what we've already seen. And I'm not saying I'm not excited for Fallen Order, but it wasn't one of those things where I saw a whole lot of difference to make me go, yeah, we got to talk about that for a while. Because, quite frankly, there's a ton to get to. So why not let's just start things out? It's going to be all about games this week. Talking about the Xbox Microsoft press conference. We'll start with that next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. This is Ray Chase, the voice of Noctis in Final Fantasy XV. And you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Starting things off, the first press conference of E3 2019 is the Xbox Microsoft press conference, or at least what I felt was going to be the biggest one anyway, with Sony not attending E3 this year. I thought that this was this was Xbox's chance to really shine and, and go, hey, you know, look at all of the great stuff that we've got to offer. And, and Sony's just decided to skip out on everything altogether. So what I want to start with, actually is something that happened almost at the end. Because, I mean, if you're looking for me to go in order, one by one, game by game, you're listening to the wrong show. We're going to bounce all over the damn place and just talk about some important stuff that happened during the presser. Now, the first thing I want to talk about is Project Scarlet. That is going to be the new console initiative. It seems like we get one of these every year from Xbox, doesn't it? And, I mean... (laughs) I understand the excitement because there's some cool stuff that they're going to have. I mean, up to thir- up to 125 frames per second, 8K technology with hardware acceleration. That's pretty cool, right? I mean, the SSD is going to be used as virtual RAM. That's going to help things. You're going to have a solid state drive. Looks like load times going to be really, really important for Project Scarlet. And and one thing that Phil Spencer said that I loved, and this I'm going to paraphrase this. He says that consoles should be optimized for gaming and nothing else and i know that's a little bit of a shot i can't necessarily disagree with them on that though i mean i understand why you want your gaming console to do different things right because i mean quite frankly we're a connected world we want one box that'll do a bunch of different stuff but if you want your games to you know be at optimal performance you want that to be the focus when somebody's building a new thing like this, right? So, and and we know that Halo Infinite's going to be the first game that really launches with that. We got to see a little bit of, I mean, I guess you could call it gameplay, where you find that where the Chiefs found, you know, kind of like you think dead, and then you find out the world itself looks pretty dead too, and then you know something bad happens and the fight is on, and then that's when the trailer cuts. So, I mean, it, and it looks great, as as good as it can look, you know, when you're not physically in the room seeing the footage or when you're not physically in your living room playing the game. I mean, you won't really be able to tell how great this looks until you actually get it in front of you and you have an 8K TV too, by the way, which I'm not sure how prevalent those are going to be by the time this comes out, which again, we don't have a release date for really. So, I mean, everything looks fine, but to me, it's just Project Scorpio. All over again, a lot of huge promises, a lot of talk about revolutionary things, and maybe they succeeded in that with the Xbox One X when that actually came out. I mean, this is obviously going to be much more high-tech than Project Scorpio was, and it certainly takes things to the next step, but there was nothing there that made me go, wow, 
This this is the console that's finally going to beat. I guess you can call it the PS5, just a working title for now. We don't really know a whole lot about that other than the little bit that was released recently. So here's the deal. I don't see a reason to get overly excited about this, but I don't see any reason to, to kick it either because it, we, it's really just a working title right now anyway. So it's not like we, we have a whole lot of a clue what it's really going to be like until we start seeing, you know, demos and stuff like that. And yeah, we did get a little bit something from Halo Infinite. But again, I don't feel like I got a whole lot there to really go on. But I think the star of E3, maybe even in general, was when Keanu Reeves stepped out on that stage. And ah, yes, it was breathtaking, wasn't it? And especially when we found out that, yeah, Keanu Reeves is going to be part of Cyberpunk 2077. If you weren't looking forward to that game enough already, now you've got Keanu Reeves that's going to be a part of it. I mean, and just him being a part of it alone was enough. But did you really expect him to step out on the stage like that and be a part of this? Because I didn't. And when he came out, I'm not going to lie. I'm sitting there. I'm sitting there in the in the Down and Nerdy Podcast Studios, you know, live tweeting this thing and. You know, I, I kind of went, I, I kind of yelled out a little bit. Not going to lie. I, I honestly did. And, and the game looks fantastic. We've, we've seen glimpses of the game before. Not a lot of gameplay that we saw from the game, at least in the press conference anyway. We do know that it's going to be finally coming out on April 16th, 2020, which I think is fair. I know that, that people have been upset about the fact that, you know, these, these things are being pushed out a little bit further. I like that. I mean, get it right. I mean, let's not let's not have to do a ton of patches or do any live service type of stuff. Just get it right the first damn time and let and let's play the game here, you know. So I, I, I thought that that was a huge moment for E3, especially Microsoft getting that big name. I know it's not a, that that big of a deal, but it's still Keanu freaking Reeves, right? So let's get some perspective here, people. He's a big name. It's a big deal. And the fact that, you know, he's he's kind of beloved. Right now, so why wouldn't you be excited that you have him in Cyberpunk 2077? This was the one press conference, by the way, where I didn't feel like we got a lot of one thing. Where that's going to become a theme that I'll talk about as I'm going through some of the other press conferences. But here's some games that stood out to me that maybe kind of flew under the radar a little bit. Obviously, Battletoads. I love Battletoads. I love that they put that classic, you know, Battletoads pause music from the NES game as something that was right there. that That's the music that they played before they showed the footage. It looks so gorgeous, doesn't it? It looks so good. The character designs look exactly the way I want them to. This is one that I am psyched for, that maybe not a ton of people are psyched for, but I am just over the moon excited for Battletoads to come to Xbox. It's, it, I'm, it, this is, might sound stupid, but this is one of those reasons to buy an Xbox. I'm sorry. Just to get Battletoads. I know that the Rare Collection, they haven't done a whole lot with it as far as Microsoft. I understand that, but we're getting Battletoads, so I don't really care at this point. You know, I'm getting what I want, so to hell with anybody that wants anything else. Yes, I'm going to be selfish about this a little bit. Another game that really kind of stood out to me was Blair Witch, and I don't understand why more people aren't talking about this. Yeah, it's going to be set in the in the mid-90s, you know, I guess loosely based on the Blair Witch movie because you've got, you know, the the arrangement of the sticks kind of thing. I don't know what to call it. And, you know, don't at me for that. But it just looks so crazy creepy, doesn't it? And yeah, when you're creep, when you're searching for someone in the woods and things are creepy, why wouldn't you go in a cabin? And when you saw somebody standing facing a corner, why wouldn't you go up there and try to find out who it was? So it's got a lot of those horror movie elements where you're kind of yelling at the screen. You're like, what are you doing? It just looks so creepy and cool, and I'm not sure. I, th- this is just something where if it's just searching the woods the entire game, I'm not even sure I care. But to the fact you've got the uh, that investigative aspect in it, then of course you've got that paranormal aspect. I love that. I, I love the vibe of this game already just from this trailer that we saw. Another one that we've kind of seen footage on before, but this is my first real experience with it, was 12 Minutes. And that's a game where basically you're you're reliving the same 12 minutes where, you know, there's a knock at the door and, you know, somebody comes in saying they're a cop and, you know, he's beating people up and, you know, maybe killing them. It depends on how, well, you know, what the scenario is and all the scenarios are played through. To me, that's one of those games where, yeah, it's repetitive and you're doing the same thing, 
but it seems like there's so many different outcomes that you can do based on what your actions are, and we see a, a little bit of that play out in this trailer. I think that this is a really cool idea for a game, and I'm glad that we're getting more stuff like this. And again, more variety. We can do all kinds of different things in games that are so, so similar. Give me something with a little bit of variety. And I think the 12 minutes is really something that did that. And one of the games, too, that I think was... It's still one of the most beautiful games that we've seen at E3, and that is Ori and the Will of the Wisps. It just looks so gorgeous. I mean, the gameplay looks really smooth, too. I really like the look of the whole thing. And and I know that we've seen this at E3 a couple times, and I usually... I'll, I'll rag on companies that do that you know bring the same game back to e3 over and over and over again this one i think is going to be worth the wait though a little bit i I, it's just always been such a beautiful game and i i I can't it's one of those games where you can't wait to get your your hands on it because you just know that it's going to be breathtaking throughout and it it looks like a very i i want to say classic game because it reminds me of the games i used to play on my nes and snes and anytime I can do that, anytime I get that nostalgia vibe with a beautiful, beautiful game, I'm going to take that. That was one of the things that drew me to to Unravel when when EA announced that not to a couple of E3s ago. So, and speaking of which, I love the animation style and the and the and the character design style for Spirit Fair. And you know the tagline is "What will you leave behind?" and and that's another really cool game that that that's a little bit more of an indie game. And we saw a lot of cool stuff from the ID on Xbox again as well. And that's one thing Xbox has always done really well with these reveals is that they put a huge focus on indie gaming. I was shocked as hell to see Flight Simulator up there. It was gorgeous. I used to play Flight Simulator. With my uncle, he was hugely into that. He, you know, he had, the, he had the yoke and everything that you could do to fly the plane. Yeah, I crashed a few planes here and there, but I, I really got into it. Even though what you're doing is you're just flying, but you know what? Sometimes that's really cool. So I was surprised that they spotlighted that in the press conference. But I, I want to take a break for a second before I get to some other stuff to talk about the is this something that we really need? kind of games because it wasn't all sunshine and rainbows for Microsoft Xbox. We saw Forza Horizon 4 and we thought, you know, you're going to get a little bit of update, maybe a DLC or something like that. And it ended up being Lego Speed Champions where and then you heard everything is awesome and whether, you know, that's fun, you're grooving along with it because, you know, that that's one of those songs that kind of gets stuck in your head from the Lego movie. Then you see that what this basically is is it's a Forza Horizon 4 Lego Speed Champions DLC and you're like, "Oh, Okay, is this... Did someone ask for this? Who asked? Did someone ask for this? No? Alright, so that was... It was surprising, and yeah, it's fun, and maybe for for younger ages, it might be something, you know, you kind of... A gateway to get them to play uh, Forza Horizon when they get older, when it's like Forza Horizon 10 or something like that. So maybe that's the point here. But I just don't know. And then the Gears Pop thing... Yeah, I mean, I guess if you're a Gears fan, it might be something cute and different that you could play. But, I mean, if you're a Gears fan, are you really looking for cute and different? I kind of don't think you are. I'm not sure that this is something that you really want. I mean, you do have Escape that's going to be coming to Gears 5, which is going to be kind of a Battle Royale type of situation, it seems like. So, I mean, I guess guess that's kind of neat if you were a Gears fan. Maybe that gives you a little bit of something. But I don't know. And then Minecraft Dungeons again. If you love Minecraft, it is cool that you know we're gonna get some, we're gonna get to you know do some dungeon stuff. And at least Minecraft is evolving a little bit and, and even growing up a little bit with its players. So I, I do have to give them a ton of credit for that. And and, and that Minecraft has always been pretty good at, at always you know kind of upping itself a little bit. Then that way you're not being left behind really because your gamers are growing up and your game isn't they, they're definitely doing a pretty good job of that but I mean there are there are a couple of other games that I guess really should have hit a little bit bigger than they actually did but kind of missed for me crossfire X was one it was one of those things where it's like okay yeah I mean I, I guess it's there right I'm not really sure that I care a whole lot about that game, and and Wastelands 3 was another one where I'm like, eh, 
I mean, this looks okay. I mean, it's, you know, are we, are you trying to give me something that's kind of like Far Cry? Bleeding Edge was kind of neat. I got a very, um, you know, I got, I got some interesting vibes from that. But again, you know, other than the really cool cosplay possibilities and somewhat similarities to, to Overwatch, I guess, I guess, I mean, uh, I, I don't know. I, there were just a few games there where I'm like, okay. I, I mean, you could get this because you can get excited about Elden Ring if you want because George R. R. Martin's involved. But at the same time, I do, do we know really anything about it based on that trailer? I, it was one of those things like the, you see Death Stranding's trailer for the first time, right? And you go, okay, I, I know the people who are making this game. I, I, I trust them. Hey, look, there's Daryl from The Walking Dead, and I have no idea what this is about. So it's one of those things where you go, yeah, I'd love to get excited about Elden Ring. Don't really know anything about it. So thanks for telling me that it's coming out, but I'm going to need more before I can get excited or not about the whole thing. I did I did really like the fact that I, I did like the Outer Worlds, though. I mean, it got a little bit of an altered carbon vibe from that just a bit, you know. So that one looks like it could be interesting and, and certainly have some promise. Borderlands, you know, the Handsome Jack collection you've got coming out. You've got Borderlands 3, the Super Deluxe Edition. Borderlands is always super fun. So, again, I, maybe I should be more excited about that because I know how fun Borderlands usually is. But it's almost like, okay, yeah, it's it, it, it's there. And I know it's going to be fun, but nothing jumped out at me in this Microsoft press conference that made me go, man, look at all of the, look at this, look at the catalog of games that they have. I mean, there's a lot of things, they're trying. I mean, don't get me wrong. They are absolutely 100% trying, especially with Gears. I mean, there's going to be a Horde mode as well for Gears. I mean, it's it's finally going to be out September 10th. By the way, we'll we'll see if we can hit that street date a little bit. Not sure if they're going to be able to hit that or not. Um, there, there there's plenty. They're certainly trying with Gears. I mean, that the, the escape thing is going to be a three-player co-op experience. I mean, you're also going to get you Terminator is going to be a part of this somehow. I'm sure that's going to be like a pre-order extra or something like that. But, I mean, and they're really trying with their cloud service. It's like Microsoft's really making an effort here, and they want you to be able to play your games anywhere, and they, they're certainly taking great steps towards that. And I think there are a lot of reasons. If, if you're an Xbox fan and you think people should be buying Xbox, I don't necessarily blame you. I just, if it's somebody like me that's on the fence that's a, a bit console-less at this point, what makes me go Xbox instead of Sony PlayStation? And they weren't even at E3 this year. This was, I think, the chance for Microsoft to step up and be like, yeah, this is why we're better, and you should choose us. And maybe you feel like they did that, but I felt like they already had a lot of catching up to do, and they didn't do enough to make me feel that way. I'm still kind of on the fence. Now, that says a lot about where Sony's at, too, because it should be an easy easy decision, but it's really not. So there were a lot of interesting games that were announced and a lot, certainly a lot to be excited about as far as these games are concerned. I mean, State of Decay, I mean, Dying Light 2, which I'll get to I'll get to here a little bit later on. There's certainly a, a good catalog of games for the Xbox, but I don't know what makes me choose this console over Sony or Nintendo Switch, by the way, which we'll talk about a little bit later. That's going to do it for my recap of the Microsoft Xbox E3 press conference. Up next, how about we talk about Bethesda's E3 press conference? We'll do that next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Hey, this is Chad Michael Collins from Extinct and Sony Sniper Franchise. You are listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. It's almost as if they were reading it from a scroll. That's right. The Bethesda E3 press conference for 2019 was a lot of Elder Scrolls, wasn't it? I, that was That is one thing that I can say about this Bethesda. It's like, hey, you like Elder Scrolls? Hope so, because we're going to be talking about it a lot. And it's not that that's a bad thing, by the way, because Elder Scrolls is awesome. But at the same time, it's like, okay, we're not getting a ton of new stuff here from you, Bethesda. Maybe it may be a little bit of twists and turns on certain things, but not a whole lot as far as new stuff is concerned. So let me talk about the new stuff really quickly as I run through a couple of these. How about Ghost Ghostwire Tokyo? That one really stood out to me because when you saw from the trailer and they talked about it just a little bit, was that basically you've just got people disappearing 
in Japan, just like literally disappearing in front of your very eyes and, and not all at the same time, just in certain bunches. And, you know, the basis of the game is you get to find out why people are disappearing and where are they going and who's behind it and stuff like that. So the concept, at least for that game, was really, really interesting, I thought. So Ghostwire Tokyo was one that stood out to me, especially as a new game. And I also want to talk about Deathloop because I won't lie. I'm not going to lie. When I thought, uh, when I was watching the trailer, I'm like, are they really doing an Edge of Tomorrow game? Is that what we're doing? You know, for, you know, Justin Bieber wants to fight Tom Cruise, so now we're going to give Tom Cruise an Edge of Tomorrow game? Is that what's happening now? And that's not that's not what it was at all. Deathloop is actually, it, it is pretty cool. You know, you die, you start over sort of thing. It, it is very similar to Edge of Tomorrow, but you've got these two combatants that are kind of against each other in this whole thing. So not only are they, are they assassins, they're kind of, you know, trying to one-up each other. So it's like a Mr. and Mrs. Smith meets Edge of Tomorrow type of situation. And I'm not saying there's any relationship between the two of them going on or anything. It's just that's the, you know, best comparison that I can draw based on what was seen. So I actually think that that was really, really neat. And I know that there, here's one there was a lot of chatter about, and I think it was a little bit unfairly criticized, and that is Commander Keen. Yes, I know Commander Keen it, this is a reboot of Commander Keen. Yes, it does not look anything like the Commander Keen that you remember and you play when you were younger. That's why it's called a reboot. And they are going to be doing some of the classic Commander Keen stories now with this reboot. But at the same time, come on, guys. I mean, it's a modern animation style. They're doing it a little bit different. It's hard to get too exercised about this because this happens all the time and guess what you don't have to buy it i'm i don't know how many times i'm going to say that today but i'm I'm gonna go ahead and say you don't have to buy it if this isn't your cup of tea and yeah you can absolutely go back and play the older versions if you want to if this isn't your cup of tea i think it looks fun you know i've got a younger son who i want to get into video games and maybe you think really you're gonna have this the commander keen you want him to know this is the commander keen this is the only commander keen that some people are going to know when they start out with this. Think about it. This is going to be their first in- introduction to this character. You, the first introduction to a character isn't always the one that we got when we were younger. Sometimes it's whatever's out now. And guess what? That's okay. Because if you love a character enough and something's not available right now, brand new for you, you're going to go back and play the older stuff. I am a firm believer in that. Maybe you disagree with me there, but you can fall in love with something that's new and go ahead and play the older stuff after the fact. If you love it enough, you're going to find a way to play it more. So I actually think that Commander Keen is going to be really, really neat. So I, I for one, am looking forward to it. Now let's talk about the one thing that I'm glad that they did at the very beginning of this press conference, Bethesda did, They and that was they really owned their mistakes on Fallout 76. And they and they're really trying as best as they can to fix it. I love that they just went, you know what? We are we we deserved all this criticism that we got, and now we're gonna fix it. And we we actually did get a little bit of Fallout 76. I mean, we we've got the we've got the Wastelands expansion, Wasteland expansion that's gonna be coming basically what we're doing in Wastelanders is this is year two now. We've got people coming back to reclaim the wasteland and they're adding full dialogue trees. I gotta tell you though, this is a pretty ambitious expansion for a game that really, really struggled in the beginning. And they're saying it's going to be out in the fall of 2019. So, I mean, I don't know how you feel about how fallout's been going so far, but hopefully they decide to work the kinks out before they roll this thing out for real, because I don't know that they're ready to do something this big. Maybe I'm wrong, but a lot of this, and I mean a lot of this, was based on Elder Scrolls. And now we do know that Blades is going to be coming to the Switch here pretty soon. I think they said it was in the fall. So, I mean, Elder Scrolls, that's cool, right? And also, there's also going to be a major upgrade to Blades. If you're already playing, That there's going to be new jobs. There'll be solo battles and a whole bunch of other stuff. You can also cross-play on devices, too, by the way. So if you have your Switch and you're already playing it on something else, it will save your progress no matter what device you use. You're probably just going to make sure... you got to make sure you're logged in on both devices, though, obviously, because you don't want to lose your progress there. So I think that that's neat, and I think that that's a good way to really... You know, cross-play was a very important topic 
at E3 this year, so I, I think that that's, that's always a good thing, right? So there was that, and then we've got Elder Scrolls Online. You've got uh, you got Elsewhere, who which is you know a great place to that's a great place to start for fans apparently that that have never done that before. And there was a lot of dragons, man. It worked. It, it still went better for them than it did at King's Landing. I could tell you right now. And, and I was kind of doing the play by play of them fighting the dragon when we we're looking at that. And of course, the next DLC is going to be called Dragonhold. More updates are going to be coming. At QuakeCon, they've also got Scalebreaker coming out in August, which we didn't get to see a look of. There was a lot of that, too, though, during the Bethesda press conference. It's like, oh, well, at QuakeCon, we'll tell you more. Don't worry about that. And I realize that's kind of, you know, a big deal for them. But it's like, guys, you're already at E3. So, yeah, I, I don't know why we're waiting until QuakeCon. So, yeah, I just thought that that was a little weird, that they would go ahead and do that. But, but there was just... There was a lot more where that came from. From It just seemed like every other thing was Elder Scrolls. It, well, except for Wolfenstein. We've, we know that Youngblood is finally coming out this summer. We, we've got Cyberpilot, which I believe that we've all we're already heard about. It's basically going to be, you know, Nazis, will their, their war machines will be turned against them sort of thing. So you can use the war machines against against the Nazis. There's also going to be, you know, plenty of stuff for VR as far as that's concerned as well. You've got an expansion for Rage 2, which is Rise of the Ghost. Going to have some new villains there, some new mech, new vehicles, a whole bunch of new stuff. So if you're a Rage fan, there's a lot to look forward to there. And then there's also Elder Scrolls Legends. Certainly don't want to forget that, Elder Scrolls Legends, because if if we didn't have more Elder Scrolls, I don't know what would be happening with this, with with this E with this Bethesda E three press conference, so, and then of course they closed with Doom, Doom Eternal. Which I mean, if you're already a Doom fan, it just looks crazy. It looks absolutely insane, and yeah, it just shows you why Bethesda was the was the granddaddy of first person shooters, right? And it's gonna be available everywhere. November 22nd, that's when Doom Eternal comes out, and it's going to be just in time for Black Friday. There's going to be a collector's edition, too, with a helmet that you can actually wear, if I'm remembering that correctly. Looks pretty great. And then we see the trailer for Battle Mode, which, I I mean, that looks pretty amazing. Looks like it's going to be a Battle Royale style there. Again, more QuakeCon in August, so we'll have to wait to find out more about Doom at QuakeCon, unfortunately, but... I mean, Doom looked pretty great. If you already did, it, it has a way to just make it look like hell the entire time, doesn't it? And it just looks like stuff's coming at you from all angles. And it's like, man, how the hell am I going to figure this out? How am I going to find my way through all of this? And you just kind of find a way when you're playing Doom, don't you? That That's just the fun of it is that it's just so frantic all around you. And you just find a way to survive through the whole thing. So, again, it's one of those things where if you're a huge Bethesda game fan anyway, if you really like playing on, if you really like playing Doom, if you really like playing Elder Scrolls, then yeah, you were pretty excited for what you heard. They also announced something called Orion, which is going to be Bethesda's way of getting ahead of things like Stadia, where they have their own sort of playing it, play anywhere situation. We saw them playing it on, on a smartphone. It's supposed to basically boost things up a little bit. I mean, it's it's streaming at lower bandwidth and less latency was the whole point of games that are powered by Orion. So I we we really just got a little bit of information on that. I think it was it, it's kind of a hey, here's something that we're working on type of situation. I'm surprised they didn't say we'll sell you more at QuakeCon, but they didn't. So I, I think this Orion thing, I think that a lot, if a lot of developers are going to do this, and decide that this is something important that they need to realize that they need to do. I think that's great. But when you've got Google and Stadia, you've got Google's money and Google's power that it's gonna that's gonna power this stuff. And Bethesda, if you're gonna try and do this, I hope you got a lot of help because gamers are not going to react well if this doesn't work as good as you say it does. So I think Orion is a good step in the right direction for Bethesda. Let's see how it follows through once it actually launches and games start coming out with it. That's going to do it for my recap of the Bethesda E3 
press conference with a lot of good stuff there, especially if you're already a Bethesda fan. Up next, I think we're going to talk about Ubisoft and everything that they had to offer at E3. We'll talk about them next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. This is Julie Nathanson from Far Cry 5, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. It's always fun when Ubisoft hits the stage at E3, especially in 2019. There were certainly a lot, and they always do something unique to start, right? I love the Assassin's Creed Symphony to start things off. But I mean, th- this was a little bit of Clancy Soft, too, wasn't it? We've got a lot, we got a lot of Tom Clancy stuff to talk about. And that's not necessarily a bad thing either. I mean, they've certainly been on a roll with some of the Clancy games. But I want to get to that in a second because I want to start out talking about something that's very, very important. And it has to do with Watch Dogs Legion, which will be out in March of 2020, by the way. There were very few press conferences that actually gave us a lot of gameplay. And that bugged me this year about E3. There was very little gameplay, a lot of trailers, a lot of cutscene stuff. We didn't get to see a lot of gameplay. But Ubisoft has always been really good it's showing us gameplay, and that's what we got from Watch Dogs Legion. And I love that because it, it actually learned about the freaking game because I saw the gameplay. And it's not just so you know, somebody going up there and talking about a game is great for, for two or three minutes. Fine. And you do learn something. But at the same time, you actually learn more about the game by seeing it in action. And we, we see that there's all kinds of playable characters in Watch Dogs Legion. You just basically, you can recruit anybody. You know, you do your research, you follow them, you hack them, and then you decide if they're a good person to join the resistance, right? And, and who doesn't want to play as Helen? It's like Golden Girls on steroids, right? I loved some of the characters that we got to see in Watch Dogs Legion. It, this is one of those games where I'm like, I want to buy a console to play Watch Dogs. I want to play Watch Dogs Legion right now. That's what I should feel like when I see a game. So if if anything hit this out of the park at E3 for me, and I'm being serious, it was Watch Dogs Legion basically because, yeah, I actually got to see something about the game, not to mention it's a game that's right up my alley. It's, I've always been a fan of what Watch Dogs does anyway, but this is one of those games that that, that speaks to me. And then I got to see the gameplay. And I know now I, you tell me I can recruit anybody I want to, and they're all going to be fully playable? Anybody? Yeah, that's pretty awesome. And I think that that's, that was a huge, huge thing that Ubisoft did to get, get people's attention. It certainly worked on me. I don't know how who else it worked on, but it certainly worked on me. And other than the Clancy stuff, too, we, obvi- we also got plenty of new stuff to check out as well. So it wasn't just that. We also got gods and monsters, right? Which was really, really cool. And to me, it seemed like I got Zelda vibes from it. I don't know about you, but it was almost like you add mythology into the mix, right? And then you got gods and monsters. And it even had that Zelda, it it looked like Zelda a little bit too, didn't it? In the design of the game, and that's not a bad thing either. I mean, if you're going to pay homage to something, and I'm not saying that they are, that wouldn't be a bad way to go, to go ahead and do that. So Gods and Monsters intrigues me. I, I don't think we know a whole lot about it yet, but I'm certainly intrigued by it. I like that we're taking For Honor to the Land of the Samurai and Shadow of the Hitokiri. I think that that looks really neat, the story behind it. You're putting a supernatural element into it as well, and it's Hard to battle that with axes and swords and stuff now, isn't it? So how that's going to work in, I think will be really, really interesting. So that that is one thing that they did. Yeah, For Honor is not a brand new game, but you're putting a really different twist on it, which is something they've always done well, Ubisoft has, with Assassin's Creed. And of course, the makers of Odyssey are going to be involved in Gods and Monsters. How about that? So one thing Ubisoft has always done really well is giving us new twists on titles that we already enjoy. And I think that this is one that really, really feels different to me. But, I mean, Clancy Fest was certainly a part of Ubisoft. I want to talk about Breakpoint for a second. Ghost Recon Breakpoint. First of all, John Bernthal's dog stealing the show at E3 was pretty awesome. And Bernthal just commands everything at this point, doesn't he? When he's up there talking, or even that manifesto trailer that they showed where it's Walker up there, and he's just talking and pumping his guys up. I mean, I was ready to go, right? And first of all, I'm I'm thinking, cool, I've got John Bernthal on my side, 
this is going to be easy. Whoever gets in front of me, I'm going to take them down because I've got John Bernthal. Then you find out you're going to be talking, taking on Bernthal and his Wolves group in Breakpoint. Good luck with that, right? Because it's like, hold on a second. <laughs> you mean to tell me I got to try and take down John Bernthal? I got to take down the Punisher? Okay. By the way, AI teammates going to be back for solo players in Breakpoint. So if you just want to play solo, you're going to have help. So you won't have to take them on by yourself. Just wanted to let you know that. Open beta, by the way, starts in September of this year. So that one looked really, really cool to me. And I'm not usually the guy that likes the, you know, Call of Duty style games. And I'm not saying that this is Call of Duty. I'm just saying that these types of games aren't usually appealing to me. But this one really was because that felt like a challenge to me. And I like a good challenge. You also had Rainbow Six... Siege, Rainbow Six Quarantine. I say Siege because if you saw the trailer, you know there's elements of Siege in Rainbow Six Quarantine. And there's some weird stuff going on, isn't there? there there's clearly some like monstrous type stuff going on in there. We see some guy with something growing in his arm. He's got this thing attached to him. He gets injected with something. And like, what the hell is going on there? And I would never wear that, by the way. The injection thing. Don't like needles. I couldn't even imagine never knowing when something was just going to just shoot itself into my veins by itself because I'm wearing this thing on my wrist. No, no, I could never do it, but that's just me. And so that certainly intrigued me. And then you've also got a mobile game that's going to be coming as well, Elite Squad, and it kind of combines characters from all of the games or or at least combines elements from all of the games anyway. So I I thought that that was interesting. I mean, it's not super neat, but if if mobile is the option that you have for playing, at least you have an option to play that game. Now, we also got a little bit on Operation Phantom Sight. Not a whole lot. I mean, it was just a little bit of a teaser. I'm not even sure we know a whole lot about it just from that teaser. So it's like, oh, well, by the way, hey, here's another option. And here's another question I have, and I'm kind of jumping around here, but we're talking about Just Dance 2020. Has Ubi had a panda in pretty much every freaking E3 for the last several years? Because it certainly seems like it has. And, and I don't mind it, by the way. My son was dancing when he saw when he saw everything on stage. So, I mean, that that's kind of the point for the Just Dance games, isn't it? Or something similar to that. So... I get it, but here was the big one, okay? How about Uplay Plus? Everybody's got their subscription service now, right? And it looks like Ubisoft is going to do the same thing. They're going to have classic games. The DLCs will be up there. By the way, new releases going to be a part of this as well. $14.99 a month. That's not too steep if you want to think about it. I mean, it looks like this is this is geared a lot towards PC. Correct me if I'm wrong on that, but that's that's what I heard and saw. So that doesn't seem too bad. Fourteen ninety nine a month, and you know that you know even Ubi knows you know like, they're not going to be able to play all these games in one month. So we're still going to get our money's worth out of this thing. So I, I think it's a smart move all around, and it gives you a chance to play more games. That's kind of the point, right? And you you get hooked on these games. It's not like you never going to have your console or you're never going to buy a full game, right? So this is not something that I think is going to, you know, hurt Ubisoft. If anything, I think it's going to help them because it also helps get word of mouth out. And, and quite frankly, advertising a lot more important than you might think it is when it comes to stuff like this. So I think that this is something that, that certainly the price point doesn't seem too high. You might disagree with me on that based on other stuff. But for what you're getting... It just doesn't seem like a whole lot, especially since, you know, I mean, Ubisoft is stepping up. They've got Roller Champions that they announced as well. That's that's a little bit of something new. We've got an Adventure Time game, Brawlhalla that's going to be coming. So it, it seems like Ubisoft brings something different to the table every year. And that's not something you could say for a lot of these other press conferences. Press conferences. Hell, they even talked about a game, I mean, a, a show that was going to be coming out based on a game development for, for a game called Mythic Quest. It's a it's a fictional game, and it's going to be done by the people who are behind It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. As a matter of fact, Rob McElhaney was up there talking about the series, and he said he wanted to make it authentic because, you know, this is a group that can, 
you know, can smell shit a mile away, basically, for the for lack of a better word, because that's pretty much what he said. So he, he made sure that there was a premium on making it authentic and getting inside the developer's world, but at the same time, making this something funny. It's going to be on Apple TV+, Plus, which again, but if it's not funny, it's not going to work. Let's just face it. Let's just put it that way. It doesn't matter how authentic it is and how much gamers think, wow, this is a good glimpse inside of things. If it's not funny, it doesn't matter. So, well, only time will tell. See how that goes. So this was one of those press conferences where I felt engaged and I felt like they were giving me a lot of interesting things, even though that some of the stuff looked familiar and it's stuff that, yeah, we knew about before or it's games that have existed for a while, but I really felt like I was getting something new. So I don't know if this is a sleight of hand or if we're actually getting something new. I didn't feel like I was being bombarded by the same thing every year. I mean, even though we got the Division 2 as well, and we've got Year 3 coming up for that, or, or Chapter 3, whatever you want to call it. And get that coming up too. So there were a lot of familiar names of games and a lot of familiar games, but I still feel like it, it was fresh, and that's difficult to do. But, you know, you build your catalog, and you don't abandon it if it's still working, right? So, But you've got to freshen it up, and I really feel like Ubisoft did that pretty well this year at E3. That's going to do it for my recap of the Ubisoft press conference from E3 2019. We're going to dive into a big one next. It's Square Enix on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. This is Monica Lee, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. You can make the argument that this was the most anticipated press conference of E3 2019 for one reason and one reason alone, and that is the Square Enix E3 press conference. I will get to that one reason here in just a second, but as I jump around here and talk about the things that were revealed during the press conference. Man, was this Final Fantasy heavy. I mean, really Final Fantasy heavy. Let me just run let me just run down the titles themselves, okay? And then I'll get into talking about some of this. You got Final Fantasy 7 remake. Okay, you knew about that already for sure. You've got Final Fantasy 14 Shadowbringers what we've got coming up. We've got a remaster coming of Final Fantasy 8. You also have Final Fantasy War of the Visions, which is based on the Brave Exvius titles that they had out before. And I'm I, there might have been one more that I missed. Oh, yeah, that's right. Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles Remastered Edition as well. So it's like, <sighs> okay, so if you are a Final Fantasy fan, you're probably super, super stoked about what you saw with all of these titles. Or you're just... Happy that Tifa's back, and one one way or the other. And don't at me if I mispronounce that wrong. I mispronounce names all the time on this show. Welcome to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. This is what I do. Hey, I'm trying. It's a little bit. So, I mean, I, I'm not gonna lie. A lot of this looked pretty cool. I mean, it's, especially the 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 Final Fantasy VII remake. The hype around that is just really insane. And we are going to be getting some new content, by the way. But new players will be able to jump right into Final Fantasy 7. We also know from the footage that was shown that we did get to see some gameplay there that looked pretty awesome. We got to see a couple of really... We got to see one robot be taken down, one big robot be taken down, which was really, really cool. You had Cloud in there as well. And there's a tactical mode that you can enter in here, which looks really, really interesting. You know, spellcasting is going to be a part of it. And it looks like the character you... Character, you will control the fight even when they're not being controlled directly. So you can control someone that's not being con- controlled directly. So I actually like that. And you can create shortcuts as well, which I think is really, really cool to be able to use your abilities and stuff like that. The I got to tell you, the special attacks, though, looks pretty, look pretty awesome. And the developers feel pretty confident that we've got something, that they've got something here. And that they've got something really, really great. Matter of fact, if you pre-order this, you'll actually get some bonus DLC content. There's going to be a couple of special editions that are made available as well. So I, the hype for this thing is so real, and, and you really understand it at this point. There's just this has been one that's been anticipated for a long, long time, and I know fans have been chomping at the bit to get their hands on the Final Fantasy. 7 remake for sure. We got right after that they kind of bummed us out with this Life is Strange thing, the Life is Strange 2 trailer because you got to see some streamers reacting to it 
and there was some there was some gasping type moments there. That, that I mean, it kind of I'm not gonna lie, it kind of brought the room down a little bit. And I and I love the Life is Strange series and how and how real it can be, and especially and and dealing with with kids with natural abil- supernatural abilities as well. But it was it was kind of a, a stomp on the brakes after Final Fantasy. A little bit. I'm not gonna lie. And then you you lighten things up a little bit with Ra- Dragon Quest Builders too, which also gonna be available on Switch. By the way, that'll come out on everything will come out on July the 12th. By the way, and I just love games like this where you can build stuff. I just wish that it was that easy to get rid of a tree. You know, I I, I don't I don't understand how how it can be that easy. I do love the harvest mode though. You got to grow the crops. You got to tend the crops, and they're going to be on land. You're going to be able to do stuff on land, underwater. It just seems very, very wide open. So I like that too, and I and and I get that. You know, maybe this is due to the popularity of Minecraft. I understand that, and I think that they're doing a good job capitalizing on something like that, especially since Dragon Quest has a really great animated feel. It just looks fun. You get that really fun vibe. When you see Dragon Quest, you've also got Dragon Quest Eleven that's going to be coming this fall as well, and it, that looks like that's going to cross over a little bit with Super Smash Brothers, too, for Nintendo. And I, we found that out at the Nintendo press conference. But I'm getting ahead of myself here because we don't want to talk about that too too much until we get to Nintendo. And you know, the Square Enix music going to be available on streaming services. That was part of what was announced. But, I mean, so heavy on Final Fantasy for so long. And Shadowbringers, by the way, is going to be like a brand new standalone title, but is not exactly a brand new standalone title at the same time. So, you know, there was a lot of hype about, hey, check out how many players we have for Final Fantasy fourteen online. And, you know, we're going to have a ton of great new content for you. There were a lot of big claims, and I'm curious to see how that gets backed up when when we see it. But the color schemes in Shadowbringers just looks absolutely incredible. And it really just made the game jump right off the screen. And, I mean, we'll get to find out soon enough. July the 2nd is going to be here before you know it. And that's actually when it's going to be coming out. Dying Light 2, I mean, it looks interesting, but we don't get a whole lot of new stuff that we didn't get at E3 last year. I actually feel like we find out more about Dying Light 2 last year than we did this year. So that that was kind of weird. We don't get a whole lot on War of Visions either for Final Fantasy, other than it's part of the Brave Exvius kind of you know kind of games. Outriders just basically looks like you know Square Enix's version of Gears, which is going to be coming out this summer. Yeah, there's some big weird supernatural creatures that you've got to fight, and there's a whole Mad Max vibe going on. Just. Didn't really seem too interesting, but the title that a lot of fans were waiting for, yep, that's right, it was Avengers that we finally got towards the end. We got a couple of really long trailers. We got to see that, yeah, it's basically your standard Avengers group that you're going to see. You're going to see Cap. You're going to see Black Widow. You're going to see Tony Stark. You're going to see Hulk as well. Now, the voice cast, though, let me tell you, the voice cast is insane. You've got Jeff Shine's going to be playing Captain America. Nolan North's going to be Iron Man. Troy Baker is going to be Hulk and Bruce Banner. Travis Willingham is going to be Thor. And Laura Bailey is going to be Black Widow. That is some next-level stuff right there. Absolutely 100% next-level cast. So if you want to talk about bringing out the All-Stars, Square Enix definitely is doing that for this Avengers title. But here's the problem. First of all, no Captain Marvel. How do you not capitalize on that? I get it. Maybe your argument is, all right, all right, James, who do you leave off the team then? Who do you not put on there? I don't necessarily not put somebody else on there. I just freaking make sure you can have Captain Marvel. I see Hank Pym. I don't know if he's going to be playable, but I saw him. So that's another one that you're going to put in there, and then I still don't see Captain Marvel. I still don't see Black Panther. What's going on here? And there was nothing saying that this isn't going to be, they aren't going to be in the game. But is this going to be one of those things where, oh, keep playing because eventually you'll get Captain Marvel and all the DLCs 
and stuff like that. All the new superheroes and regions are going to be made and no additional cost. And there's also going to be no loot boxes or play to win stuff. So that was a big deal. But it's like, all right, how long do I go before I can get Captain Marvel? How long do I go before I can get Black Panther? Maybe there's a favorite. That maybe you didn't see Hawkeye and that made you upset. And you're like, when can I get Hawkeye? It's all in the when do you get sort of thing because I'm sure they already feel like, hey, we're already giving you these Avengers. What else are you looking for? What else do you want? And and you haven't even given me any gameplay yet, and you're already telling me that more stuff is on the, on the way? I don't know. I, I think that you're putting the cart before the horse there. I haven't even seen any gameplay yet, and the character designs that I'm seeing didn't exactly blow me away. I was not blown away at all by what I saw in the footage. It just didn't look like it popped like it should have. And I was bummed about that. I love the fact that it's going to be available on a lot of platforms. you got PS4. It's going to be on Xbox, of course. Stadia was a big one. And PC. Of course, you're going to get a lot of extra stuff. If you're playing on PS4, that should be no surprise. It was the same way with with Spider-Man and Insomniac games. If It was a PlayStation thing. So that that is not surprising at all. They hit their their target release date is May 15th, 2020. We'll see. I would not write that in permanent ink of any kind because I cannot be sure that they are actually going to hit that mark. I don't know if they're going to be able to do it. So only time will tell on that. But, I mean, just from what I saw, it's I understand the whole, you know, are the Avengers the cause of the bad things that are happening in the world? And do they cause more harm than good? I don't know. I guess I understand doing that. But at the same time, it feels like that's a superhero story that's been a bit played. At least to me. I mean, you don't give us the villain in the trailer. They sort of kind of said, yeah, here's who the villain's going to be after the fact. But it would have been nice to get a villain, especially once... You made it seem like the villain was the freaking Avengers. And maybe they didn't do enough to save the world, but that doesn't mean they caused what happened either. So anytime I see the you know anytime I see the whole well, we're we're the good guys, the cause of all the bad things that are happening, I roll my eyes a little bit. Because especially like, you know, when people make the argument that Batman's created his villains and, and I understand that argument. I, I almost can't argue with it too much, the way the state state of Gotham is. But at the same time, it's just played, and you, and we see a little bit of infighting with the Avengers group there, and that's going to happen anyway. It's not like that's a new thing. But my concern here is, yes, this will be able to be a single-player type situation. It doesn't seem like it's going to be an online-only. You can do single-player or co-op on this from what I heard in the press conference, so I'm not worried about that. I am worried about when content is going to be made available and when characters are going to be made available and stuff like that. I think that's a valid concern, especially when you, you know, what am I paying for right now? When I put down my 60 bucks plus, what am I getting right now? It seems they make it seem like you're getting a lot, but it seemed like more of a, we promise you good stuff is coming instead of, Here's the great stuff we've got for you right now. So that, to me, was a little bit concerning. So I really wanted to be super excited about this Avengers title, and I just couldn't be, and that bummed me out a little bit. So if you're a Final Fantasy fan, you're stoked at what you saw from Square Enix at E3. Beyond that, I mean, Dragon Quest looked really fun, but everything else was kind of a, yeah, okay, yeah, that's cool. At least to me, anyway. So I don't think Square Enix knocked it out of the park. I'm willing to leave the jury out, though, on on the Avengers title until I see gameplay footage. Because I, I thought Spider-Man looked cool in the trailer. And then when I saw the gameplay footage, I was over the moon excited about the Spider-Man game. So maybe it'll change once we see some game, some actual gameplay footage that's more than like two seconds. And find out we, if we can judge things from there. That's going to do it for my review of the Square Enix E3 press conference. We'll wrap it up with Nintendo Direct next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Hey, this is Kari Walgren, the voice of Haruko in FLCO. And you are listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. 
The Bowser era has begun. That's right. It's Nintendo Direct E3 2019. And I love the fact that they brought Bowser out in a tie to start this Nintendo Direct thing. It was such an obvious joke, but one that had to be made. Right, and then Doug Bowser comes out and is like, I'm the Bowser that you're looking for. That's who we're talking about here. And and then everything went on. So, yeah, obvious joke had to be made. I'd have been disappointed in them if they didn't make that joke. So, you know, then we could go on with our merry lives and talking about the games. And one thing I love that Nintendo does, and this is something that they did so right in the Switch era, when they finally figured it out, was that, they have no problem saying, here's our games, not games made by other people, our games. And they are, have the ability to drop so much of that, don't they? Not just when you're coming to Super Smash or Mario and Sonic at the Olympi- Olympic Games Tokyo 2020. But, I mean, not to mention, you know, you, you, you end your press conference by saying, yeah, by the way, got a Breath of the Wild, Legend of Zelda you know, sequel coming, no big deal or anything. That's what we're doing. It would have been easy to do something else. We're like, no, this is ours. We love it. We know you love it too. And we're going to give you exactly what you need. And that's a sequel to one of the greatest games in the modern era, if if you want to make that argument. But then you, you, you also bring out stuff like Luigi's Mansion 3, which Doug Bowser's excited for. I'm with him on this. It looks super fun. Even the arcade version of Luigi's Mansion, Haunted Mansion that you can play Dave and Buster's, which I always go to when I go to Dave and Buster's. If it's still there, it's been a while. I'll have to go over there and check. But, I mean, being able to suck the ghosts up in the vacuum and stuff like that, and, and you've got Gooigi. Now you can turn to goo and do some different stuff. I love that little twist. There's There's all these little fun twists that you can do with a game like this. And it just looks so freaking great. I love the style of Luigi's Mansion 3. It's one of those games where, even if I get through it, I feel like it's going to have so much replayability that I'm never going to get tired of this game. And that is something that is incredible that Nintendo does almost flawlessly, and we take it for granted just because they've been doing it for so long. And then, speaking of that, You've got Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening, and it basically it looks, feels, and almost even seems like it plays like the original Legend of Zelda game, just with a modern feel to it. But it's got this, for lack of a better term, cutesy look to it that just makes you say, it's. sometimes you just need games that you could pop in and be like, you know what, yeah, I want a challenge, but I just want to have some fun. So I'm going to go ahead and play... Link's Awakening. You're you obviously you have fun playing a game like Breath of the Wild, or even like Witcher Three or something like that, which is coming to Switch. They made that announcement. The complete edition is going to be coming. But then you look at titles like Luigi's Mansion Three or Legend of Zelda: Link's Awakening, and you go, "This is just I just want to go have some fun and unwind, and not get you know this isn't like a horror title where you're going to be stressed out and scared to death." while you're playing it. And there's a time and a place for that. But if you want to just have fun, you pop in a game like this and you do right. And and then you, and, and it's also, it's, it's an all ages type title. This is something that you can play with your kids. And as a parent, again, super important that I can do something like that. And speaking of kids titles, animal crossing, new horizons being delayed until 2020, not a big deal to me at all. They're trying to get it right. I know it's disappointing when games do get delayed, I understand that that's a bummer. You got to get it right, though. If they release the game and there's all kinds of problems with it or it had stuff missing, you would just vilify them for that on social media. They know that. So it's easier for them to take the hit on, well, it's not done yet, we're delaying it, than, oh, it's done, here it is, oh, by the way, it sucks because we didn't finish it and we just put it out anyway. So it's like, you know, what do you really want? And so they're, they're trying to do it right. So I do not fault them for this at all. Here's something else that Nintendo did pretty well before I get to the, the, to the titles that we're going to have here. Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, The Black Order, that trailer gave you almost everything that you didn't get from the Square Enix trailer for Avengers, didn't it? It gave you the, the character designs look better. Aesthetically, the whole game looks better. We see a ton of characters. You even see Magneto 
at one point. And I realize, you know, maybe they can just do this in a game like this, and it's not that big of a deal, right? Maybe it's not as easy to do it in a game like Marvel's Avengers that Square Enix is doing. But at the same time, it's like the next day you've got Nintendo going, okay, we'll do it right. Don't worry about it. We got you covered. And they just do that. It's just so simply and flawlessly. And I'm not even saying that the game is going to be better. I'm just saying that fan service wise, you gave the fans what they wanted. And that's what Nintendo just kept doing throughout this whole this whole thing. The secret of mana rumors ended up being true because we we're getting trials of mana and the collection of mana too, by the way. So you're going to be getting not one, but two options for that on Nintendo Switch. And once you go outside of Nintendo's regular titles, I mentioned Witcher 3 already. You've got Resident Evil 5 and 6 that are going to be coming to Nintendo Switch now. So you're getting more Resident Evil titles. You've got Dragon Quest, of course. We talked about that not too long ago. And then you've also got stuff like Wolfenstein, Youngblood. Did I see Doom in there? I'm pretty sure that I saw Doom in there as well. So, not only do you have Nintendo with one of the strongest lists of their own titles, then you've got them bringing in titles from other companies as well to just bolster their lineup. You got Final Fantasy VIII Remastered, too. Come on! And then, as far as new games go, Dark Crystal Age of Resistance Tactics? Who knew why Netflix wanted to be at E3? Remember that whole thing, like, what the hell are you doing wanting to be at E3? This is what the hell they're doing. Give us a Dark Crystal game that looks awesome. It looks amazing. I would have never expected that in a million years, and yet here we are with the Dark Crystals games. And then here's the one that got me excited. Empire of Sin. You're giving me a classic mobster game on Nintendo Switch? Are you freaking kidding me? I love this. I don't even know that much about it. We just saw a, what, what like a less than a minute trailer, and I'm like, gotta have this. This is exactly what I want. I like mobster stuff. I like mobster games. Let's do this. Yep, I want this now. So, and then you had some other stuff. Yeah, there was some ho-hum stuff too, like No More Heroes 3, and that looked okay. There were a lot of games where, if you love that anime style, and I know I kind of crutch on that, but I'm talking about stuff like Astral Chain and Demon X Machina, stuff like that. If you love that look, if you love that, anime look you know that almost pokemon look by the way is anybody surprised you can use the pokeball in sword and shield coming up not at all surprised they they made that announcement like we would be shocked by that and i wasn't shocked by that at all like yeah why wouldn't i be able to use the pokeball i mean thanks you could have not made me be able to use it but i kind of figured that i would anyway right so there's just so much that they did right in this presentation. Also, by the way, and when we saw, first of all, Banjo coming to Smash, Banjo-Kazooie, not a surprise. But then you see Duck Hunt up there, and I was not expecting that at all. So you see Duck Hunt, and then you see the Duck Hunt dog, and it's like, who's not going to want to play against the Duck Hunt dog in Smash? Remember all that pent-up frustration you got when the dog was laughing at you when you just couldn't get the duck? Well, who's laughing now, dog? Although, you watch that dog be the most powerful character in Smash, just to spite you. You know, you, you f- think you're finally going to get the revenge on the dog, and the dog completely trashes you in Smash when you play it. So, so the dog ends up getting the last laugh after all. Just watch that happen. I could just totally see that happening. I, there, there's some other stuff, too. There was a whole compilation video, and you, we know we're getting Stranger Things. We know we're getting a Super Mario Maker 2. I don't know why we needed a second one, but I'm okay with it because I always thought that Super Mario Maker was a super great idea. Anyway, we, we talked about Elder Scrolls Blades coming to Switch as well. We've got, a, we've got Spyro coming. We've got Super Lucky's Tale, which is a, like a Sonic spinoff. Contra Rogue Corpse is going to be coming. There's also the Contra Collection. I could just sit here and list titles for the next 20 minutes. I'm not going to do that. Because that's not what we're doing here. I didn't even get into Panzer Dragoon, by the way, which has some funky, cool-looking dragon things going on. Nintendo's trailers for these games, basically, a lot of them were less than a minute long, and I'm still sold on it for some reason. There were so many games where I was like, this was the one time where Xbox, I thought, was going to be the company that could really step up 
with Sony not being here and be like, this is why you should be buying an Xbox One X. No, no, no. Nintendo gave me the reason of this is why you should buy a Nintendo Switch. And they don't even have to worry about crossplay because you can pick the freaking thing up and bring it with you. That's the crazy thing. It's like when you've got companies like Microsoft saying, yeah, you want crossplay? We're really going to focus on that. Nintendo can go, yeah, just pick it up and bring it. You're good. And you're like, what? So it's not an issue. It is a non-issue. I mean, there are certainly issues with the Switch and save states and cloud stuff, and I totally understand that. I'm not saying that the Switch is a perfect console. I'm just saying this is stuff that they've already thought of to a certain extent. So they don't have to worry about it. So I feel like you're giving me titles. Maybe I'll be a little bit later. You know, I'm not going to be able to get to play like Wolfenstein Youngbloods right away. You know, Witcher 3 has already been out for other consoles, but now I can play it on Switch. If it's one of those things, if you don't mind waiting, if you don't have to have it the second that it hits the shelves, you're good with the Switch. So I feel like you've given me more of a reason to buy a Nintendo Switch than an Xbox One X, especially if you're Xbox, you've already teased your next console. If you're always teasing your next console, it's going to be difficult to sell your current console. But that's just me. And I'm kind of getting into the recap of the whole thing phase here because I've said really all I can say about how great Nintendo Direct was at E3 this year. And I think that Nintendo, once again, wins E3 overall. I thought Ubisoft did a very, very good job as well. I think Bethesda did what Bethesda was supposed to do. And I'm not supposed. To, I'm not saying that Xbox had a bad E3. I actually think they had a good E3. But they missed a huge opportunity to knock it out of the park with their biggest competitor not in the building. And instead... They once again, for the second year in a row, get one-upped, pun intended, by Nintendo. So, bravo to Nintendo for once again, to me, winning E3 and making me realize that I should be going out and buying my Nintendo Switch sooner rather than later. That's going to do it for this week's edition of the Down and Nerdy Podcast, the big E3 2019 recap. You want to yell at me on social media and tell me how stupid I am about the stuff that I said, feel free. We're Facebook.com slash Down and Nerdy at Down and Nerdy 757 on Twitter and on Instagram, whether you agree with me or disagree with me. Hey, shoot us a post. Love to talk to you about it. Maybe even have it on the show. Who knows what's going to happen? We'll be back to the regular format next week, by the way. If you want to watch the trailers, pre order some of these games, put up some recaps there at Down and Nerdy Podcast. Dot com where you can check out some of the trailers that happened for yourself. Tried to put them in one neat place for you. Also, you can find past shows on there, past interviews. There's plenty to find at downandnerdypodcast.com. Whether you're a gamer or not, remember, you never have to apologize for being a nerd. So let your fan flag fly. Be good to your fellow nerds.